All right, well, let's get into it. We are on the third Sunday of our more series. Uh, that's uh, 20 years ago. Our church started and we started as the church started. We were here because we wanted more Jesus. That's why it started as a little Bible study and it grew and it grew. And now we're who we are today. But it was it was more uh, of Jesus. That's what we wanted. And we talked about last week what that meant is to have uh, to begin with. We, we needed to have more. We had to become more like Jesus in our own lives, because the more like Jesus we become, the more of Jesus there is in this community. It makes good sense. So we talked about the need for that and to have that deep, growing, transformational relationship. Today we're going to talk about this. Another way that we bring more of Jesus into our lives and our community is to get more for Jesus, right? The more people in our community that we reach with the gospel. And we talk about this all the time. We are a, a fellowship of believers uh, that, that wants to reach our community. And uh, we want to be disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. And Jesus wants us to do that. So we're going to talk about that today. Before we do, however, there is a memory verse that we want to cover, and that comes from 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Now, in 1 Corinthians, the Corinthian church was messed up. All right, is that fair enough? If you read the Corinthians, but Corinthians, they were, it was, a, it was an early church. They didn't really have a whole lot of doctrine. They had a lot of bad understandings about who God was. And so Paul writes to them and says, kind of straightens them out a little bit. And uh, one of the things that he tells them near the end is he says this, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But there's something I want you to notice in that passage in there is, is, is the model for growth in Christ. This Corinthian church had bad doctrine, a lot of bad practices. And Paul describes this is the way that we're supposed to do things and, and all that. But the real life change then is he shows them he's going to demonstrate it. You need to imitate me, but don't just imitate my life. Don't, don't become followers of Aaron. The last thing I ever want to hear is people say, I go to Aaron's church. No, no, no. We go to the Christ's church, one of them in the valley, right? We have a church family. Imitate me in the ways that I imitate Christ. And you're going to see how Christ is and who he is by how he's transforming me, right? And you're going to be able to see this is how I do it. I think it's one of those powerful things of Jesus' ministry. Is he came down as God. And he showed us how God would live. And we have an opportunity to live this incredible life with Christ and through Christ. As we become more like Jesus, now we have the ability to make more for Jesus. How are we ever going to reach this community for Jesus if we don't start with being more like him? The world needs to imitate us. As we imitate Jesus, right? That's a great thing. So, to get into it, more for Jesus. Um, as we talked about, this is uh, our next step in our strategy. Be disciples of Jesus, right? So, we want to start with that. Build disciples of Jesus. The mark of a healthy church is not a, um, is not a full parking lot. Uh, the mark of a healthy church is not active ministry. Right? That's, it's not busyness in the building. The mark of a healthy church is not a, a robust budget. Uh, the mark of a, of a healthy church is, is not the hours clocked by its volunteers doing things. Those are all periphery things. The, the mark of a healthy church is it becoming more and more like Jesus and is it making disciples for him. That's the mark of a healthy church because that's what Jesus called us to do, isn't it? And part of that then is we become more like Jesus naturally. Our heart changes for this world and we will begin to make disciples for him. 
and, and willing disciples for him. In fact, I don't ever remember Jesus giving somebody in a headlock and saying, you're going to follow me, right? <laughs> he offered an invitation and people gave up great things willingly. Now, our mission statement is a Christian church of Estes Park is a fellowship of believers with a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. That's to know God's love, to grow in God's love, to love God's and others, and to go and share God's love. It's a mouthful, but we talked about our very first message, exactly what that means and why we're part of that. If you missed that, you can always get that message on our website, funchurch.com, and I encourage you to go and listen to that. These are foundational things about who we are and what we're about. We, we want to know God's love. We want to grow in God's love. We want to love God and others. That's that heart change. That's that relationship with Jesus Christ that changes from the inside out. That's what Ryan was even talking about this morning, coming to him. He gives us the righteousness, right? He gives us that right relationship. We can go boldly into the throne room of God. Is that crazy? It is. And yet, it's what we get to do daily. And and as we have this relationship, this living, abiding relationship with God, we have the great privilege of going and sharing God's love with others. It's not something that God puts on us as a great burden. It's it's a great honor and a privilege. It's something that uh, we get to go share good news. And we'll talk about how do we do that? What does it mean? Well, I think the first thing we understand in, in Scripture is that God wants everyone to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That, that's His desire. God wants everyone to become a disciple of Jesus. And that needs to change how, how we live. You see, I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. I believe that it's perfect and I believe it's complete. Because it says so. And there's a lot of other really good reasons to believe so. But if it's the inspired word of God, if that is what it is, it should make a difference in how I live. It should make a difference in how I see things. It should make a difference in what I believe. It should make a difference in how I perceive God and how I understand Him. And I think one of the things that we have to understand is that Jesus didn't come just for me. He did come for me because He is infant in His wisdom. He was able to comprehend that Aaron Dorman one day would give his life to Him. But he didn't come just for me. Now, God's heart is that everybody, everyone become a disciple of Jesus. And this is uh, uh, what it would say in, in Scripture, 1 Timothy. And this is a passage that was written by Paul to his, his disciple, Timothy, who he was training up to take over the churches for him. And this is what he writes to him about how to lead the church. He says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Now, this is one of many passages in Scripture where we hear God's heart for the world. Jesus even said, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. You understand, it's easy for me to want people like me to be saved. Right? That that goes back to my egocentric nature, that... I believe somehow it's just like me. So if you're like me and, and you know, you dress like me, maybe you have the same economic status as I do. Maybe uh, you have the same kind of culture that you live in. Maybe we have we like the same kind of, of politicians. Maybe we like the same kind of music or whatever. I want you to be saved because I want people like me to be saved. It validates who I am. But the reality is that God wants everyone to be saved. There is not a corner of this community that God that God just rejects and says, I don't want them. Now, there's a lot of things in in my life and in a lot of corners of our society that God rejects the things that people do, right? Because He can transform us. But every person, every person has value. 
And, and that's easy to, to put up here, isn't it, in our heads, that God wants everyone? But when we get down into the reality of it, there are some people that just drive us crazy. There are people that are really hard to love, right? There are people that if they came into our church building, they would make us feel uncomfortable. Because they're still in their sin and they have not been transformed yet. That's why they need to be part of the community. We have to begin by realizing, gaining God's heart for our community. Becoming more like Jesus means that we begin to to really become more like Him in His heart. God wants everyone to be saved. In verses uh, 1 through 4, I'm going to give you the, the whole the whole context of that passage. He says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And then he says, this is what's good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. Now he's even talking about politicians. And godless kings that were persecuting the church. God loves people with a passion that we can't even comprehend. But we have to understand this is his church, not ours. And if we want to, be, to reach more people in our community for him, if we really want to saturate this community for Jesus, we have to become more like him and begin with the reality that God desires that all people would be saved. There's not anyone that he would choose to leave out. Next one is that Jesus came so anyone could be a disciple. Anyone. If we look into the word, it says this. It says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself up as a ransom for how many people? All people. And look at the passage there. That falls right after it tells us that we should have a heart for for all people, right? In 1 Timothy, this is just the following verses. There is one God. There is only one way to salvation. And yet, that God decided to come here and He has His heart for everyone. Jesus paid the price so that every person on earth throughout all of time would have the opportunity and the ability to be saved. I don't care how secret or how how disgusting a person's sin is, God paid for it. And that starts with my sin, right? The hypocrisy that that Ryan reminded us all of, that we don't live up to the standard of that which we've been called to yet, but God is transforming us. He's changing our hearts. He's writing that into us so we're becoming more and more in His likeness. Well, guess what? There are people all over the world, even those that reject Him, that if they would want, their sins are already paid for if they would choose to let God pay for them. It's not as though we can find somebody in our community that you look at them and you hear their story and you're like, whoa, well, there is no help for you. And we laugh at that. But that's not always how we live, is it? Aren't there people that we look at their lives and we think, too far gone, too far gone. There's a story, in fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a study on 1 Corinthians, which is phenomenal. It's life change. It's amazing. I just can't even, I can't even talk about it without crying. It's so amazing. So I'm not going to preach on it yet until I can get myself together. I've got a couple of weeks left. But here's the thing, that, that there's a guy that, that, put, that started this and, and, and um, part of the study that we're going to be going through. 
And he was a pastor in a church. And he had an affair with a man. And he went to his wife and he confessed that. And uh, she said, I'm with you. And they went to the church where he was at. And the church went to the denomination because they didn't know what to do with this pastor who, who had this slip up. And the church came back and said, there is no help for you. You have three days to move out. You understand that there are certain sins that we sometimes think are beyond God's grace, but there is no sin that is beyond God's grace. When we say the lie of the gospel can saturate this whole community, we mean it also can saturate every human heart. There is hope still. While we have breath, there is hope. And Jesus came so anyone, anyone, even me, even you, even the people in our society that you think are so far gone, that God couldn't love. There is hope. Jesus came so even they could become a disciple. I think the next most powerful truth we realize in being disciples is that the Holy Spirit is what empowers us to make disciples. It's not you and it's not me. Like, he's completing His work. He's just allowing us to be part of it. And so you don't worry about us being smart enough to be able to make disciples. That's a big burden, isn't it? But look, we memorize this passage, I don't know, probably three or four times a year. In fact, I do know three or four times a year because I purposely make us do that is the Great Commission. And we memorize it again a couple of weeks ago. And it's Jesus coming to his disciples right before he leaves. And he tells them, this is what we're supposed to do. And he says he came to his disciples. Remember, his disciples, that's who he's talking to. Not to anybody else, but those who are already walking with him that are looking more and more like him, right? They're becoming more like Jesus. And he says to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. He could have stopped there. And that would have been a massive burden. Because these were a bunch of teenagers. Probably the oldest disciple there was maybe in his early 20s. He left the fate of the world in the hands of a youth group. And these young people could go out with their own gusto to make the world like Jesus. Do you think they would have succeeded? No. They would have got crushed. See, the power of discipleship never has been in the disciple themselves. It is in the God who is with us. He says, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gives us God the Holy Spirit to indwell us who gives us the power to effectively make disciples. And he does that in a couple ways. One is the Holy Spirit is the one who is inside of us, who is rewriting God's law in our hearts. It tells us that in, in Hebrews. I think it's amazing. Now, my law used to be selfishness. And God's law then comes in and says love. And I can't make that transition myself. But the Holy Spirit transforms me. And that's why it talks about, it says, to be transformed. It's starting with our minds. Right? And that's how we'll begin to know what God's good and perfect will is. The Holy Spirit is the one who changes us. And, it, and we read in Revelation, how do we overcome the evil one? Well, it was the blood of the Lamb. Jesus paid the price. We are owned by God. The devil doesn't have any reason, any right to us. But it was also in the word of their testimony. It's the how God changes us. That's why Jesus tells us several times that the world is going to know that we're his disciples, that we're legitimate, that we're really from God by how we love one another. 
That's transformation. The thing is, the world can't live that way. They don't have the Holy Spirit to change them. There is a type of relationship that gives power to the believer that, that this world does not have, and it comes from God himself. But, get this, not only does it, is it come from God himself, it's a guarantee. I am with you always. Well, in my moments of weakness, yeah, he's there. In my moments of trial, yeah, he's there. In my moments of stupidity, yeah, God is there. He is in you. And if I read Scripture correctly and I believe it is the Word of God, then it says that He works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. God is at work in you. And it is that work, it is the work of transforming your heart, it's of transforming who you are, that very being, it's what gives us the power to make disciples of Jesus. We don't make disciples of ourselves. No, no, no. We... We help others. We invite them to, to imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And He empowers us. And the Holy Spirit will never fail. He's awesome. Now, the next thing we see is that the Scriptures teach us how to make disciples. It's not as though God just gave us this mystical Holy Spirit that we can't see. We have no idea what He's doing. So we can't recognize His work in our lives. He's given us revelation. He's given us the Bible. And the scriptures teach us how, in fact, Second Timothy, next chapter, 3, 16 and 17, he's talking to, he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Do you get the purpose of scripture there? To prepare and equip his people? The Bible's not there to be a burden. Those laws were not there so to, to, to put on work for you to do so somehow you can appease God. Ryan did a great job showing us this morning. We're never going to make God happy with, with how we live by ourselves, are we? No. The laws were there about relationship. Every single one of them. Every single time God speaks to us through Scripture, it's about this. How do we love God and maintain relationship with Him? And how do we love other people and grow in relationship with them? That's how it works. And it equips and prepares us to do that. Because the law that was written on our hearts at, at, at Eden, right? When we fell, we had that sin nature, was this. Me. That's the law. And everything in my life is so long as it somehow fits into me, as it helps me, as it benefits me, as it goes along with what I want, then it's good. If it agrees with me. And God has a new law for us. Jesus says, I have a new commandment to give you. Love one another. What a profound new commandment. How on earth are we possibly going to do that? Well, the Holy Spirit puts that into our lives. But how do we live it out? Scripture prepares and equips us for that. It teaches us how to live like Christ because we now can see what he did. We can see the heart of God. We now know that if our life aligns with how he's starting to live. So we can see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Can you imagine how hard it would be as a believer if we didn't have Scripture? How would you know the Holy Spirit is really working in your life? Or if it's just your selfish nature really being very convincing. Because our hearts, don't they trick us all the time? And we can make very selfish things sound very spiritual. We're really, really skilled at that. And we can manipulate our own emotions really well. And we have an enemy out there who is also trying to... You know what? The, the Scripture helps keep us on track. And we get to find, what does it mean to really love God? How do we bring Him joy? What does it mean to follow Him? 
What are these commands that we're supposed to obey that Jesus teaches us? Who is God like? The scripture teaches us. It has to be the foundation for our life. And here's the thing. The Bible will tell you things you disagree with. If it doesn't, you're not reading it right. And the reason I guarantee that is because you're not perfect. Your heart isn't perfect. Neither is mine. And the Bible shows me where we are off. And when it shows me where I am off, right, where I disagree with what it says, I'm glad about that because now I can change and become more like Christ. If you're reading the Bible only to nod your head all the time, you're reading for the wrong reasons. But when you come to Scripture and it becomes that mirror and you look at yourself and you're like, "Mm, that's nice, but it's not so much. When you find those things, it's proof that this is not from you. And that God is doing a work and he's able to change you and help you. The scripture teaches us and equips us. That's why we need to be in the word. It is the only is the only work in all of human history that has this guarantee that its words will not return void. There is power in the word of God. And so we go to it and that's how we that's our manual. That's our standard that shows us it equips us and prepares us for the good works that God has for us. Now, here's the biggest thing here. The church is where we build disciples. We live in a beautiful area, don't we? Oh, yeah, we do. Millions of people every year come here, right, to escape the, the boringness about where they live. And they go and they stand in awe at the mountains and they look at the elk way too close, right? And they do all that stuff to come here. And then they think, I'm here, I'm closer to God. And I don't need, my, my church is nature. And God's like, are you serious? He's given us something far more beautiful than just this world we live around. He's given us his bride, the church, his body in this world. The church is where discipleship has to happen because it's how God, in his word, where he instructs us, teaches us how to do things. This is where he says discipleship is to take place. Look what he writes here. Let's go back, let's go into Ephesians. Church in Ephesus was actually kind of a fun church. Uh, and, and we have this, uh, this encouragement to the church as they're beginning to build. Why do they exist and how does discipleship happen? And he explains this to them. Paul does. He says, now these gifts, uh, now these are gifts Christ gave to the church. This is what God gave us. Isn't it fun to get presents? And God said, I want to gift you these things so you can do awesome stuff. And this, he gives them this. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. And their responsibility is to do What? To equip God's people to do his work. Well, isn't that the work of the Bible? Yeah. What are pastors and preachers and teachers supposed to use? The Bible. If I'm ever teaching you something that doesn't come from Scripture, you say, hold up. You're teaching me the wrong things. But it's my job to help explain it to you. To help you apply it in your lives. To walk alongside you as a shepherd and to say, here in your life, this is how that word applies. That's my job. To equip. But what is the job of the church? Well, you're the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. We're the workers, right? We're the ones that get to go out and do the great work of bringing the gospel to every corner of our society. To make disciples. You are the disciple makers. That's empowering. That's crazy cool. God is with you. And I'm just equipping. I'm like a coach on the sidelines. You get to play the game. How great is that? And look what it says about this. It says, 
We're going to equip you. The pastors and the preachers and the teachers and all this, we're going to come in. We're going to pour into you. We're going to demonstrate with our walk with Christ. We're going to say, follow me as I follow Jesus so you can see what it's like. I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to take the word of God and help you get it in your life. And we're going to do that. We're going to continue to do that until we all come to such unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I don't give up on you. God's not giving up on you. You're going to grow. And you're growing. And that's great. That's the way it's supposed to be. And the mark of maturity is this. Look at this. Unity of faith. We're going to understand why it is we believe what we believe, right? We're going to stand shoulder to shoulder in such a way that there's unity. Jesus prayed that we would have, this is the only prayer he prayed directly for you and me, by the way, that we would be unified just as he and the Father are unified. Just as he and the Father are one, that we would be so unified so the world will know we're his disciples. There's going to be a natural fellowship. Unity it's fellowship, isn't it? How can you possibly come together without relationship? It's impossible. And where does that relationship take place? It is the church. It doesn't take place in the church. It is the church. I think that's powerful. We're going to teach us, and as we come together, as we begin to love one another more and more and more, there's going to be a greater sense of unity, which means this. When you hurt, I hurt. And when you celebrate, I celebrate. I discovered this weekend, and I had to do some study on my own yesterday, which was kind of fun, that I've been preaching something wrong for all of these years. Not horrible, but wrong. I had always thought that the great com- commandment was this, to love God with everything you are and to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Because I didn't study Hebrew, and I apologize. I did. I took two semesters, and it blew my brain up. So I had to go back and really do a deep word study, a study, what does it mean? Because I was challenged. And there was other pastors that were there and said, no, 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 that passage means this, as you love yourself. Which means that I, I care for you just as though you are me. And that's a very different concept, isn't it? It's a very different concept. That's unity. That means when you are in sin, it, it has to trouble my spirit just as much as if it, well, I was me, myself. If you're going through difficult times, it needs to trouble me just as much as it troubles myself. There's a different level of love in the body of Christ than there's anywhere else. And it's a transforming love. It's an empowering love. It's a love that brings unity. And that unity makes us mature in the Lord. Helps us grow up. Measuring up. Look at this transformation that happens in that kind of relationship, in that kind of community. Measuring up to the full, complete standard of Christ. What? Ron even talked about that. That's not even possible in this life. But I tell you what. It's what God does in his church. He brings us closer and closer to, to him in his likeness, in his love, with maturity. That's where that happens in the church. If you're trying to grow and mature outside of the body of Christ, you're missing it. You, you don't have the relationship nor the love that's necessary to help transform you into the likeness of Christ. The church is where disciples are made. It says this in Ephesians 4.6, as it goes on, or 4.16, as we go on to that, he says, he, who is he? He is God. He, God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Isn't that nice of him? That you and me are different for a reason. You ever try to do a puzzle where all the pieces are the same? No, because it doesn't exist. That'd be crazy. Is this, that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. It's not about us anymore, is it? 
When I serve in my gifts and my abilities and my personality, how God shaped me in the body of Christ, I benefit you and that brings me joy because I love you as I love myself. Now, crazy and amazing and cool and empowering. There is purpose to our life. We make the whole body grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What is the body? It's the church. There is no more people for Jesus outside of his body. When we want to have more for Jesus, this is what it means, that we have a living community that loves one another, growing together in unity, growing together in love, and we get to invite others into that and help them grow up and have them, get this passage, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And as we do that, the whole body fits together and the whole thing is filled with love and it grows and it works and it's amazing. We saw an example of this kind of body in in, in Acts, the early church, when it first started. Before there was all kinds of divisions and things when people get together, there's something called politics. And all politics is, is, is how people interact with one another, right? But before that really hit, there was just God's agenda. And the Holy Spirit showed up and started bringing unity to the body. And you know what? God showed us in this, and he did it there. He did it with Cornelius and their house. And he's been doing it throughout the ages, time and time again, in pockets of Christianity all over the world. He can make us into a community of love. When the the church is not a healthy church, it's not as though the Holy Spirit is missing. It's that people are getting in the way. And one of the things that we get to do, if we stop imitating others as they imitate Christ, that's what happens. We believe that if it's all about just getting head knowledge and we go to classes and we can go to Bible classes forever and we can go to sermons forever and it cannot change us. There is a level at which the body needs to come together in a relationship and we train one another, we teach one another and as we grow deeper in Christ together, our heart for our community becomes stronger, doesn't it? Our heart for the lost because that's what Jesus came to seek and to save, right? And so the body of Christ is going to go exactly where Christ goes. And that's going to be every corner of the society, every nook and cranny of Estes Park, so that no person comes through these valleys, through this amazing gate that we have into our valley, and leaves without knowing who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for them and the the hope and the forgiveness that are theirs if they would only believe. I went to a conference this week that talked about that a little bit. It's by a church that's actually doing this. And I was so encouraged because I realized we're not that far off. We're really close. We're really close. A few small tweaks. But we have a body of Christ that is loving each other. We need to make more people for Jesus. Well, it begins by this. It begins walking with Jesus together. And if we can have that and not a program, if we can have a relationship that drives us closer and closer into his arms, well, then we're going to reach this community for him. It just happens. It's an amazing thing. Well, as I, as I wrap this, this sermon up and... Um, sure the worship team will come up at some point before I'm done. That's a hint. Um, (laughs) You're like, hmm. There are some things that we could do to take these next steps as a body of Christ. And I've been thinking about these. And here's some stuff that I think that we might want to do. The first one, if you take out your connection cards on the back side. Actually, I'm going to go on the other side here. I would like more information about, you know what? Maybe you need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ yourself. That's kind of the first step, isn't it? Right? You need to be part of the body. And if you've been coming to church or maybe you've been, been asking questions about what does it mean to believe for a long time, I'll tell you what, 
There is life when we give our lives to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we come to him in faith and we are baptized in him and we join the church family. Maybe that's a decision you need to make. And if you check that, I'm not going to just baptize you this morning. I want to talk to you about what does it mean. Answer your questions. This is not a sales pitch. This is a new way of life that we're offering, that God's offering to you. So if that's something that you need, uh, let us know. One of those other decisions that you need to make, let us know. But how about this? The rest of us, you made a decision with Jesus. How about memorizing 1 Corinthians 11.1? 1? Because that needs to be your mantra, right? In the church, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Just as I imitate Christ. I mean, every Christian has that privilege. And that is your privilege. So maybe this week you'll be looking at how am I imitating Christ? And who am I imitating? What other Christians do I have in my life that I can look at and say, wow, I love their walk. I want to I grow to be more, I want to be more like Jesus. And I see Christ in them. Get it, start meeting with them. Ask them questions. Maybe this is where we begin. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Or how about this? Maybe read the Gospel of John. Why, John? John started out as a son of thunder. And he ended up the apostle of love. There is a transformation in this man that is undeniable. It is, it is amazing. And he's, he's one of the only apostles that didn't die young. Right? He had a lifetime to follow God. And the, the thing was f- crazy about him is that the Romans couldn't kill him. They could kill anybody, but they couldn't kill John. Right? And they tried several times. And yet, through all the things that most people's life would make them very bitter and angry at God and, and everybody else, John grows in love and he becomes this apostle that that challenges us to to say, listen, look how I've done this. Right. Look at my life. Follow. He has Timothy and Titus that he trains up in the faith. You want to see what transformation looks like? Read the Gospel of John. I encourage you to see that and you'll see the amazing God we have. How about this? Pray. Pray for five. Pray for five. What? Five people. Start praying for folks that you know. Maybe they're believers. And they're going through very difficult times or they're struggling with very hard things. God wants us to love one another. And one of the ways that we love one another is when we actually pray for one another. So maybe there's a brother or a sister in the Lord that you know is struggling. You say, I'm, I'm committing to pray for them on a regular basis. I want to see God's work in their life. I want to see, and don't just pray for their comfort because God died for so much more than our comfort. Pray, pray for their faithfulness. Pray for purpose in the midst of their suffering, right? Pray that they're going to be able to fulfill God's call on their life. Pray powerful prayers for them. And of course, pray for mercy. And maybe that's who you start praying for, but also pray for those, maybe we, people you know that don't know him. In your life, people you have a relationship with or you need to have a relationship with that you know that don't know Jesus. Pray that God begins to prepare their heart for the gospel. Pray that God shows his love to them. That they will understand his grace. Begin praying for five people. Why five? Because you have, most of us, five fingers. Everyone that's not a mechanic, right? Okay. We all have five fingers. So start praying. Why? Because you have your hand with you at all times. It could be a reminder. You're like doing something. You look at your hand you're like, oh yeah, I pray for Jim and Job and Bob and Susie and Ted. Right? You got, you got five. So begin praying for them. How about this? Invite a guest. You know, one of the things that we want to do as a church family is families like to have guests over, don't we? We like to meet each other's buddies and, and those we We want to be able to have people come in and to see the kind of fellowship that we have. We're going to start a, a, next week, 
It's going to be Youth Sunday, and it's going to be awesome. And I encourage you to be here. The Hub's going to be here leading worship. It's going to be phenomenal. And and it's a powerful message. James from the Hub is going to be bringing a message from God's Word, and and he always makes me look bad because he's such a great preacher, and I love it. So it's going to be fantastic. But the week after that, we're going to be starting a series on love and what it is. 1 Corinthians, we're going to begin 13. It's going to be amazing. Maybe right now, you start one of your five, you say, who can I invite to be part of this? Because you know what? This world is a desperate (laughs) short supply of his love. And God's love is a transforming, changing love. Maybe you say, you know, I'm going to commit to, I'm going to start praying, but who am I going to invite? And begin praying for them. Maybe there's something else you need to commit to. Maybe you want to come to this greeting you class, because how do we love one another? We'll be talking about that in very practical, real ways. But whatever your commitments are, I ask you to put those on there now, here in a, a couple seconds. Uh, oh, if you have a prayer request, please let us know. We do, we love praying for you, and we've seen God do amazing things, because God is with us, and he hears us. He doesn't give us always what we ask for, but he always gives us exactly what we need. So let us pray for you. In a couple of minutes, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to close this time in prayer. And then what we're going to do is um, we're going to spend some time after I pray. I'm going to invite you guys to join me in that prayer as we respond to God. And it doesn't have to be just what the message is. God has something on your heart. He's with us. I invite you to, to list those prayers and to bring them up to him or your praises to God. And, and then Zach's going to close us up. And when that uh, is the... And, and wrap our time up in prayer there uh, corporately. And then I want you to take our time of time of uh, commitments and offerings. So we're going to pass the baskets. You make your tithes and, and, and things. And as you do that, I want you to put this connection card in there. And, and including all of your commitments that you made so we can be supporting you and praying for you as we begin to live even more uh, in, in the power and the purpose of Christ for us. Can we do that? Awesome. All right. Well, please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you didn't just die so we could be part of a cold religion. I thank you that Jesus didn't come to, to show us only how we fall short. I thank you that you didn't rub our nose in our sin. I thank you that you didn't smite us, as we see in the Old Testament, as so much we deserve for our rebellion against you. I thank you haven't rejected us, that we're not perfect. And I thank you that you loved us enough that you sent your son and your son sent disciples who sent disciples who sent disciples who eventually found each one of us and introduced us to you. And we know this was your good and pleasing will and that gives us great comfort. To know that from before the dawn of time, you had in mind who we are. And you had already predetermined that we were going to have a great relationship with you in love. And that you were going to come and fix us in the midst of our brokenness and heal us. And Lord, the the mercy upon mercy, the amazing thing about grace is it didn't stop at the baptism. That you continue to transform us into the likeness of your Son. That we as a church get to continually grow closer and closer in character to Christ. That we don't have to stay the selfish and small people that we started out. But that we can begin to act and to look more and more like the sons and daughters of God. That's amazing. 
But Father, I pray as we, as we build disciples of Jesus in our community, that it would start by first you building us into disciples in our heart. I pray that you would give us your eyes to view this community and to fully not just understand but believe with the very depths of who we are that you called every Christian, that you, that you died for everyone, that there is no one that is hopeless. So help us to not lose hope. Help us to love one another the way that, that you call us to, the way that you love us. Help us to grow in maturity and unity. Father, I pray that love for one another would be the thing that helps our community not just come to you, but I pray, Father, to be the very thing that helps us to continue to grow closer to you. Help us to stay true to your word in this as well. And Father God, as we now have this time that we want to to open up our hearts to you, I pray, Lord, that, that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to us. Give us your words for us to pray. For certainly, God, you know exactly what we need. So help us to have the conversation with you now that you desire. 